Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Dara here. Are you kind of in the mood for a picnic because it's the middle of summer? I hope so because today's show is all about picnicking and a lot about St. Paul. Joan Matheson is here. She is on a mission to get you to appreciate St. Paul more and picnic in it, especially along the river. All right, Joan, welcome to the show. Thanks, Tara. All right, so tell me why. Why did? Why do you think people should get out there and picnic in St. Paul? Well, because picnics are memorable, and the food tastes better outdoors as well. And the reason is our senses are all alive when we're outside in nature. And what really spurred me on with this mission was um, recent, uh, well, I heard about forest bathing. Forest bathing? Forest bathing. I haven't yes. heard of that. What's it's that? It's an ancient Japanese practice, um, a wellness practice of people going into the woods and spending time um, relaxing and kind of soaking up the 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 what the gifts of the forest it's not like a naked thing it's just a go into the forest right. and enjoy the wo- okay yes all right well i i like to do that <laughs> what do we call that what's the the, the um nature deficit if you just spend all your time inside and mm-hmm. you start to be kind of squirrely like you got to get out where the squirrels are and have a go get filled up again by nature i do that all the time yeah yeah. Well, we live in such a stressful world, late, especially lately, that there's... Hallelujah. Such... <laughs> Sing it. It is very stressful all the time. All the time. And so one of the reasons we're doing this is to promote healthy living um, and improving the health of... Uh, improving your... Uh, the, improving your lifestyle. Um by spending more time in nature, and also by walking. And especially, you kind of focus on St. Paul. So you've got this, you did this project for visitstpaul.com, right? So if anybody wants to see your map that you put together, it's at visitstpaul.com slash riverpicnic. So it's for St. Paul. But I think that you kind of put your finger on something we don't talk about how much St. Paul is built around the Mississippi River Gorge. Like, it's a gorge. It's a real thing. You were telling me off air that St. Paul has the most river frontage of any city in the Mississippi, 17 miles. That's a lot. And if we go down into it, then we can picnic, right? (laughs) And this is the only gorge on the Mississippi. And um, St. Paul happens to be built on a 90-foot bluff. Yeah, so is that so that we all kind of know how that is, right? There's the part of downtown St. Paul and the way it kind of towers up on the bluffs, and then Summit Avenue is even higher. That's right. There are seven hills above the bluff. 
Um, so that's what makes St. Paul so interesting and a nice complement to Minneapolis. Um, there are short blocks in St. Paul and downtown St. Paul, so it's a walker's paradise. And then you were telling me, too, off air that the founding fathers in the 1800s, they were smart about how they use it. They preserved so much of this land for the public. That's true. Um, The reason when you look at the river um, and see that it's natural looking, um, it looks like, um, well, you won't find quarries all along the river, which could have happened. Um, but our father, forefathers were um, were concerned about the the future of this beautiful place that had been a sacred place for hundreds of years, and so they invited Horace Cleveland to come and speak to them. He'd been working in Chicago, and in Chicago they waited too long to buy their parkland, and so they ended up having to pay a pretty penny for it, which was really unfortunate for the city. Oh, you don't think about the pressures on the city founders <laughs> having to get get in there and get the land before uh, get gobbled up. Interesting. Yeah. Well, it you know could have been quarries all along. And other kinds of businesses, too, breweries and things like that. And instead, we have this beautiful, natural parkland, um, thanks to Horace Cleveland. Um, He's the one that actually designed the Grand Rounds, which um, are, uh, that connect Minneapolis and St. Paul, the lakes in both cities to the river. And the Grand Rounds are what make us... uh, give us a distinction of the best parks in the country from um, the Trust for Public Land. That's one of the reasons I live here. I love the Grand Rounds. I love all the individual pieces of it. I don't always think of the whole thing the way I should. I kind of think about, the, oh, Lake of the Isles or, oh, Hidden Falls Park. I think of individual pieces of it, but it's really, it's one thing. Well, now there's even um, a, a group of people who want to connect the Greenway to St. Paul so we can bike across the river uh, between the two cities. So it's it's very exciting, and it's something that's precious and that we need to protect and and appreciate. And we should appreciate it with sandwiches. We should take our <laughs> baskets and go down there. Local uh, sandwiches. You know, so I'm t- you can even make sandwiches. Imagine that in your house. Take them down to the, the the river gorge. Okay, so I was looking at your map, and there are a bunch of great picnic sites, you know, all over St. Paul. And I love that you've kind of you know pointed them all out. I have some favorites. Hidden Falls Park is one of the most beautiful places, I would say, in the country. I am, you know, Minnesota partisan, but wow, Hidden Falls Park is just so magical. It's so, it's like a different color down there. The way that the sun kind of filters down between the bluffs and, you know, reflects off of the river, it's like a much greener green. Does that sound crazy? No, not at all. I love Hidden Falls. So that is a definite favorite for me. I've never quite – Raspberry Island, I know a lot of people love Raspberry Island. It's always a little hot for me. I don't know. What, is, is, what am I missing about the Raspberry Island experience? Well, it's um, – the, the trees need to grow a few years <laughs> <laughs> to equal some of the other parks. Um, but it's 
you're down on the water, and there's the boat club, which is really fascinating. And then just the bridge itself, the Wabasha Bridge, has been designed that, you know, you can go down steps um, on both sides of the Wabasha Bridge, and there's an overlook where you can see the whole bluff, um, the whole gorge for miles. All right, so that's a good one. And then I didn't know about this one, a rail view picnic area where you can watch the little municipal airport. You can watch the planes go up and down. That's right. You can see the trains arrive and the planes take off. So see, when it's I had a, when I had toddlers, why did I not know about this? <laughs> that's be that's the best entertainment. And you, I before. Before these current present tragedies, before 9-11, you could take kids to the regular airport and just kind of stand by the fence, but you're not allowed to do that anymore. That's not safe. But there's a real picnic place where you can go today, the Railview Picnic Area. That's a, that's like a hot tip for living in the city. It's actually part of the depot renovation, and they're shaded the t- picnic tables are shaded because there aren't a lot of trees in that area. So it's really a cool um, place that a lot of people don't know about. Now they do because we're letting them know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> All right. We probably have time for one or two more like, terrific picnic places. I'm talking to Joan Matheson. She put together this great map for the city of St. Paul tourism. Visit stpaul.com river picnic. And I you know, I feel like it's just the time has come to really think about how beautiful the river gorge is. And so I'm really just so thrilled. This came into my inbox. I was like, oh, that's exactly what we're going to do. I love St. Paul. I love picnicking. I love things that are free and that are we should take advantage of and appreciate, see some birds. I'm on the team of birds. Let's go look at them. Um, All right. So there's another one. Maybe people don't know if they've been living in St. Paul their whole lives at the Bruce Fento Nature Sanctuary. It used to be a rail yard. Now it's nature again. It's a beautiful place. Um, And it's on the Mississippi Flyway. So your birds are there. (laughs) Um, and yes, it was a rail yard. It was a brown um, field, and through the efforts of thousands of volunteers, um, they've been bringing it back. Um, there's a spring there that's wonderful, and um, the funding for the Interpretive Center, there are already very established trails and uh, markers that explain some of the history. It's 26 acres. And they've connected it to 4th Street now, so you can take 4th Street from downtown all the way out to the nature sanctuary. It's really not that far. It's behind CHS Field, which is also a park. Um, But the nature sanctuary has gotten funding now from the bonding bill, so they can go ahead uh, with um, funding for the interpretive center, which is going to be called Wakan Teepee which was a Dakota name for the House of Spirits, which um, is their name for the cave, the big cave that's there. The famous cave, the the kind of center of it all cave, right? The cave that put us on the map in the world, actually. Yeah, so uh, why don't you tell everybody, we have a few minutes, tell everybody the the brief history of this cave. It's right across from downtown St. Paul. Well, it's an enormous cave. Um, and it was um, discovered by Jonathan Carver, 
Um, and when in the 1700s, when he was um, exploring the interior of the New World, and he found it. Of course, it had been there for um, used by the Native people for many, many years. And in fact, they called it the Alliance Cave. And there's a big lake in the cave, and they would. Um, 52 tribes would meet um, every year, and they would talk about um, making peace and working together collaboratively uh, for the next year. And all the decisions that they made would be considering um, how it would impact seven generations of their people. See, it's so romantic. There's a giant cave that's sort of the UN of the before times, and and it's right there, and that's the center of it all. And that's St. Paul, right? A giant indoor cave at the center of it all. But we don't talk with a lake in the middle of it. See, that's good. It's all boarded up, like not boarded up. It has a big gate in front of it. But you can stare at the gate, and it feels very like Harry Potter romantic, like, oh, everything on the other side of that. These are good things. This is why we should picnic. Get outside, learn about our history, see St. Paul through fresh eyes. All right. Joe Matheson, this is a very cool project. Thank you for doing this. There's also the Wabasha Caves that you can go into now, and it's actually seven caves that are connected. And there's an interesting story about that. That whole valley was called Mushroom Valley at the turn of the century because there were so many mushroom caves. And originally that was a mushroom cave. And then in the 30s, after Prohibition, they turned it into an underground nightclub. And, of course, they serve mushrooms on the menu. I know a lot of people uh, go there if they have dancing and they have bands and all kinds of things. Well, St. Paul is a miracle land, and you can find out more about picnicking St. Paul if you go to visitstpaul.com. Visitstpaul.com, River Picnic. We're back. Look, all right, let's talk a little more about these picnics. Joan told me that. You can get a printed map. It's pretty snazzy. And you can get it all over St. Paul. You can get it at Subtext Books, at W.A. Frost, at the Saints Box Office, and at the St. Paul Farmer's Market. That's a good thing to put in your car. You should get to one of these. And I'm supposed to thank the sponsors of the map because it's pretty cool. So Ecolab, St. Paul Farmer's Market, Subtext Books, W.A. Frost, and the Saints. You guys, that's an awesome map. You did a great job. Thank you for creating this in our lives. All right. Should we talk about what you should bring on your picnic? I got a top five picnic foods. They are all up at WCCORadio.com slash menu. You know how we do. And this is what I think. There are sandwiches that are better than average. Like you don't want a sandwich that gets all squashy. That's a bad thing. So here's what I've got. I've got my top five recipes and or ideas. Number five, have you ever had a fancy French sandwich called a pan bagnot? I know it's tuna sandwich, but it's much fancier. You make it with olives and parsley, all kinds of things with oiled tuna. You load that into a baguette, wrap it all up. It takes hours to be good, but when it's good, oh, it's so good. Just really good. Okay, so that recipe is up. My number four, would be an egg salad. This is how you do a really good egg salad. You make it, put it in a container, then just take it with you with a loaf of bread that's sliced. Yes, that easy. Then what's the best vegetarian sandwich? 
I am absolutely convinced it is asparagus and chev. Don't argue with me. This is the best vegetarian sandwich because the chev like doesn't get terrible like other cheeses do over time. It just stays. It gets better. Soaks into the bread. It's good stuff. But what else is there for a really good sandwich? And a picnic sandwich has to sit at the bottom of a boat for like four hours and be better than you went in. That's the rule. How about a roast beef and horseradish roll-up? I usually don't like roll-up sandwiches because tortillas taste too raw, but I make an exception for this. Roast beef, horseradish, onions if you're powerful and fiery such as I am. Put it on, you know, you could do a pita bread or you can do a, one of those fancy tortillas. Roll it all up. Wrap it in foil. That's a good thing to eat. That's. And then here's my number one, my number one picnic sandwich. It is a muffaletta. Yeah, the New Orleans sandwich. That is the one that inspired this whole little segment here, talking about sandwiches that are better hours after you make them. And I have a link to the world's greatest muffaletta recipe from that New Orleans restaurant, Koshan. You might want to buy your Jardinera, but I have a recipe for the, you know, it's all chopped up cauliflower, hot peppers. It's good. You make this. You bring this on a picnic. You have won the picnic. All right. We come back. I'll have a few minutes for Ask Me Anything, and we'll uh, answer your questions. 81807. All right, we're back in this very kind of, this is the perfect part of summer, right? You still got more summer stretching out in front of you, make more plans, get more swimsuits. <laughs> we're really just, I love this part of the year. Come on, it's the best. All right, so this is the part of the show where I, Dara from Minneapolis St. Paul Magazine, answer your questions and very nicely, I got a question about my Minneapolis St. Paul Magazine blog about Bon Mi sandwiches, the top 10. The top 10 of those Vietnamese French sandwiches, They the, that list is kind of going gangbusters. It's up at mspmag.com. I wrote it because people didn't seem to know why they have these sandwiches. Why is there, are these, you know, Southeast Asian slash French sandwiches everywhere? Well, because of the history of the area, it used to be French Indochina. It's hard to think about France having colonies because it was a while ago, but all of Southeast Asia was a French colony for a while, and that's that legacy. So I put up uh, some recipes to make some at uh, a couple weeks ago here at WCCO. Wasn't that good? And Emily made one, and she <laughs> and she found me on Twitter to tell me that she made it, and it was good. So good for you. I think it's great. It's a great recipe to master. Not too hard. And then you feel very good at it. I also got another question about that, which was, could there be more fusion banh mi? Could there be an Italian banh mi? Yeah, absolutely. I don't see why not. What if we, there already are meatball banh mi. What if they, you know, went in an Italian direction with a tomato sauce? I think that would be fine. I approve all experiments, but you must edit. You can only experiment and then try it and then decide if it's good. You can't just experiment and then put it on the menu. I, I forbid that. All right, I got another question. Is there a signature 
Minnesota style of beer? That's a great question. Uh, I would say, me, the beer critic, wine critic, that everything is evolving. So I don't know that we could say. The classic, of course, is a more grain belts. That's a classic. Hams, those lighter beers. But they're kind of all American. They're not really just Minnesotan. You have those in California. You have that in Iowa. Um, This kind of very hoppy craft beer, but also very malt forward. Like I think of Surly, like just everything about it is just extreme and extreme, extremely malty, extremely hoppy, extremely everything. That's kind of a Minnesota style, but I feel like it was more in vogue maybe two years ago and people are drifting away from that. So in answer to your question, I say no, there is not right now a definite Minnesota, like the thing that we do that everyone has to try, the way we have a Juicy Lucy for a burger, like we've kind of settled on that. So I think it's up to you. You you may be the person who comes up with the, the Minnesota style of beer that we've all been waiting for. I will try it. All right, I got a question. Can you get Lake Superior fish in the Twin Cities a little bit. You can kind of find it. Of course, the easiest place to find Lake Superior fish is on the shores of Lake Superior. If you are currently you know, driving up the driving up the North Shore, I envy you. That is a delightful place to be and to, to eat some fish. Some places like the Dockside Fish Market. How lucky are we that those exist? Uh, but, you know, I've seen it in, in coastal seafoods. I see it in some restaurants. That new Lenny Russo restaurant that's on Lake Minnetonka, it's called 925. He has uh, some different Lake Superior fish. I think most of it does get gobbled up, though, by people on the North Shore. Um, so that's a is that a frustrating answer? There's a little down here. It's not obvious. You kind of have to look for it and know what you're looking for. But I guess it's that way, but everything is that way with fancy caviar and everything. (laughs) Oh, I got a question. Looking for a kid cooking story. You like my stories of cooking with my kids, my my ongoing project to make self-sufficient children. Very important to me. Well, my son made rice the other day in the crock pot. We kind of, he did, he's doing good, getting all those aromatics in there. Then he panicked because I had to run out for something and turned it off. Then we had to finish it on the stove. But it all worked out in the end because we brought the heat up and cooked it. So that's, is that a good story or is that a little bit of a a thing? Well, anyway, we made rice. He made rice. It took about seven times longer than you'd think it might, but we did it. He now feels that he can make rice and that's what I'm in it for. I'm trying to raise some kids who go off into the world able to make rice. I'm very worried about cooking literacy and that a bunch of people are out in the world not knowing how to make rice. This is what keeps me up at night. I, that's that's how I am. I know. It's ridiculous. Teach your kids how to make rice, people. <laughs> All right. So what is going on next week? Next week, remember when it looked like all the ocean fish populations were crashing catastrophically? I heard so much bad news. It was like, be no more fish in the ocean in 2045. I remember that. Well, guess what? 
we have some good news. Smart regulations, better fishing, we all work together. A lot of the fish that we thought were going to be gone, extinct, they are coming back. I love a good news show. We don't have enough of those. We got one coming up. It's about how much better the world is for fish and fish eaters. That's what we'll have next week. Till then, <laughs> I hope that uh, every time you drop a lake in the line in the lake, it come you come back with a whopper. And even if you're just catching worms and weeds, we will have some good food for you here on Off the Menu. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.